Hey, and welcome back to Do More, a podcast focused on just one thing, inspiring you to get outside and make more stories. As always, my name is Will, one of the team at Stubbling Co., and today we are joined by internationally renowned survivalist, expedition leader and author Megan Hine, who has spent her life exploring the world's most extreme places. From the jungles of Borneo to the deserts of Africa to the mountain peaks of the Himalaya and the most remote locations in between, get ready for a behind-the-scenes look at Megan's epic journey, toughest challenges and what it means to have the mind of a survivor. Megan Hine, thank you so much for coming on to this podcast. Thanks for having me along. Now, for those listeners that haven't yet stumbled across your CV, you are a survival consultant expedition leader and producer for some of the biggest adventure and survival shows on TV, working with the likes of National Geographic and Bear Grylls, organising trips to some of the most unique and remote places on the planet. So my question to you is, how did you become a full-time survival expert? Um, I was very lucky, actually, I suppose. I grew up with my dad, um, was originally a geologist. So all our family holidays when I was a kid were into like the mountains of the UK, like up into uh, Scotland, Lake District, um, like Snowdonia. Um, and we went up into the mountains, like climbing and things to, and going and looking at rocks. <laughs> so, and uh, one of my sisters doesn't really enjoy it at all. <laughs> so, uh, but, <laughs> but for me, it kind of just stuck. Uh, I was very heavily involved with like military cadets when I was at school and did loads of adventurous training with them. Um, and I guess, you know, my, my parents were... Um, had worked very hard to get themselves into the positions that, that, that they were in as well and I guess they hoped that I would follow in their footsteps in terms of like the academic side of things but I just ended up finding myself like kind of skipping lessons to go mountain biking and, and running and exploring the hills and stuff behind where I grew up um, yeah so yeah so kind of like I suppose kind of sort of fell into it really so like what makes a survivalist in your eyes it's about improvising, it's about being an opportunist, it's about adapting um, and kind of overcoming the situation through like what you've got, because you just don't know, you know, if you're in a situation, you just kind of found yourself in this scenario and you're not necessarily going to have all the exact bits of kit and stuff that you need. Um, and a huge part of that is like, is the psychology of it. Um, and b- being able to bring in, uh, it's sort of, I suppose, the mindset, being able to stay calm, under pressure and I like I think about it as like being in the eye of the storm it's like you know when you know things are going off around you and things are going crazy and you're having to deal with a situation that's like you know potentially life-threatening or certainly could harm you Um, and in the middle of that you're able to just create like that calm and be able to push out like you know anxiety and fear Um, and that to me is like is being a survivalist and that's not just you know in the wilderness these lessons transfer into everyday life as well into you know it's that that same kind of that mindset it's almost like the fight or flight thing then yeah very very much yeah very much so so that's exactly what we're looking at so my my second book is actually coming out um next year and very much like exploring like the evolution of the stress response um because we find ourselves in situations and we've got this this incredible brain and it's like it's 
primed for survival. So you've got basically, just to simplify it massively, you've got two parts of the brain. Um, one part is you've got like the limbic system and you've got the prefrontal cortex. The limbic system is incredibly old. It like it evolved before, well, before humans existed. It is inside every animal. It's before language uh, existed. And it's primary function is to keep us safe so it's like constantly like your senses so your sight your hearing smell all of these things um and then you've got like the um prefrontal cortex which is much more much more of a recent evolution um but it's much slower because it takes a lot more energy to to power it up um so this is why you know sometimes when we we react to you know to a situation very quickly and then we regret our actions it's because that the human part of the brain wasn't actually reacting it was you know it was this and very animalistic part of the brain that was like that was triggered incredible yeah yeah it's oh my god it's so fascinating <laughs> yeah. but can you train it essentially so if you are out in the wild and you find yourself in a, in a hair-raising situation can you control the fight or flight side of it yeah it's su such a good question and um yeah so this is very very difficult to control because it's so it's so fast and it happens so quickly you know so you know if somebody jumps out on you um that that immediate flood of chemicals that's like kind of you know primes your body to like run away or to freeze um or or, or to fight um kind of like really kind of all of those chemicals flooding the system it's very very hard then to then bring the logic back in um to that so it's like, again those moments being able to catch yourself and then be able to like calm yourself down in that moment um and this just comes from experience it's being able to push yourself out of your comfort zone because i think we have we've created this incredible world around us where we can actually be very quite static uh, we don't need to leave the house. You know, we can order everything we want online. <laughs> and it's like, you know, we, we then don't have the social interactions. We don't necessarily, you know, push ourselves physically in the same way. So, yeah, definitely from young age with like particularly with children and stuff is to start pushing them out, get them interacting with people, doing things that scare them, you know, within like obviously within like a safe, safe space. Yeah, well, the best things in life are on the other side of your comfort zone. It's, it's, it's what I always tell my kids. It's just, I know that it's just differentiating between fear and danger because one is real and the other is just your perception of it. So once you overcome that, it's it's great. And, and that you see the joy in their face and they go, oh my, I've actually done what scared me before. And I love that. What's the biggest risk to you when you go on, on these big trips? Um, some places to go to, it's a, it's a human risk. If it's politically unstable or you've accidentally walked into, into a scenario, um, you know, people are quite, can be quite unpredictable. Uh, and then you've got like wildlife and, you know, insects and things like you're going to the Amazon. It's like you've got all sorts of insects like uh, uh, black flies and sand flies and uh, mosquitoes and things. You've got like dengue fever and malaria and leishmaniasis and all of these kind of nasty tropical diseases that you've got to be very aware of and protect yourself from. Are there any proper like sweaty palms, heart in your mouth moments that really stand out for you then? <laughs> um, well, yes, definitely. I mean, the nature of the job is like there is inherent risk and like a huge part of what I do is, uh, is to mitigate the risk and to minimise it. But yeah, you can't always do that. So yeah, there's been times where I've been kind of been shot at. Oh. <laughs> like, times yeah um i got yeah stumbled onto like uh an opium farm in, in whilst filming in the jungles in thailand 
Um, that was, was quite exciting. Got chased through the jungle by these opium farmers. <laughs> and uh, yeah, then got caught in crossfire of like of warring tribes, uh, bitten by a snake. Poisonous one. No, thankfully not. But there was like a moment of like, I hope I've ID'd this right. <laughs> it was in the early days. Like, so when I first started like working within the adventure and survival uh, TV world, um, I, yeah, and I, I found this snake and I just picked, I picked the snake up and um, I just remember thinking like, I just watched its like jaw dislocate. I was like, oh, wow, that's incredible. Just, but at the same time, I like, was like, oh no, <laughs> it attached itself to my hands. But yeah, in that moment, I was just like, I really, really hope I've ID'd this okay. I mean, you're out, the, you said 10 to 11 months a year. Do you find yourself, are you more comfortable when you're out there or is it the fact that you're out of your comfort zones that is so addictive almost? Oh, it's, it's, oh, it's such a good question. Um, I mean, I suppose like most of the time when I'm guiding and things, it's like, I don't, my aim isn't to be out of my comfort zone because if I'm out of my comfort zone, I can't operate in a safe way. Yeah. How, how many people would you tend to take when you're guiding? Uh, so like, I don't do as much guiding as I, as I used to. It's mostly now like kind of like the, t- the TV side of things. Um, but I, I sometimes will work one-on-one. Um, I've got a trip to Mongolia that, is, that I've um, organised uh, beginning of September. Um, and that's, for that on that, I'm taking six, six clients out on that one. And whereabouts are you going to in Mongolia? Oh, so this is this is a trip that has been like it's really quite close to my heart. It's like I'm so fascinated with like Genghis Khan and, mm-hmm. and that, the, the culture, the, the Mongolian culture and the eagle hunters. Um, so yes, yeah, so we're going out and we're going to go and uh, ride across the at the steps to um, to the, one of the festival of the eagles. Um, we're going to be living with uh, eagle hunters along the way. Yeah, so for how long? Uh, so that that's a ten day trip. So it's, it's it's quite short, but it's gonna it's gonna be absolutely amazing. And there's still a few places available on that one actually. So <laughs> there is the most amazing landscape there, and I mean the size of Mongolia is incredible, and yet the population is so small. I mean it's almost totally uninhabited. Yeah, it's it's vast. It's so it's it's absolutely incredible. It's like such a such a fascinating place like culturally and and the terrain everything yeah it's absolutely beautiful what are the remotest communities you've you've worked with uh we've worked with like um like <laughs> it's funny but i don't know why they call them uncontactable unco- un- tribes <laughs> in the amazon because um, obviously they're contactable because we've been there but um yeah so quite remote uh tribes in in the amazon um i tend to with the film work that i do i tend to go to very quite quite remote areas uh often to like indigenous cultures that have, have never been on camera before have never been filmed before uh don't really have much interaction uh, with the west um so yeah very very fortunate to to go into those and but I do go in with like that, that respect as well. And also, you know, that we're filming them and it's like, you know, you don't, you don't want to exploit these, exploit them either. So there's, you know, there's, it's a bit of a gray area with that, but you know, it's, it's absolutely incredible to be able to go in and skill share and see the skills, like particularly like the traditional survival skills that they're, they're practicing in those places. Is it fascinating just to see how they approach just day-to-day life and how different it is from ours? it really is yeah yeah like I, I'm like I'm a big believer that 
when we look at like our ancestors and how how like our ancestors would have worked and you know when you're out in nature it's just like you know hiking in Snowdonia going wild camping so if you when you're doing those things it's like your time is taken up with like either movement or like meeting your basic needs of like you know hunting gathering uh cooking all of these things it's like you don't have there isn't the same um, space to be able to you know to have the same kind of thought processes and uh, the same anxieties and things because we've created this incredible culture but we've also created time uh, for ourselves because you know we've got food and water and things on tap it must be incredibly different i, I remember um i spent a lot of time in mozambique um mainly in the inyambaan province wow and i remember i was in this remote village uh, surrounded by jatofra plantations but the children were the happiest kids I've ever, ever come across. I remember one of them telling me, an, an elder there, um, they put down a basket of fruit, um, almost as like a test. And they lined up maybe 20 kids and they put this basket of fruit 50 metres away. And they told the kids to race. And the first ones to reach it could have it. And um, three, two, one, on your marks, go. Not one of them ran. They all held hands and they walked to this basket, got there and they shared it out. And I was like, this, this wouldn't happen here. This, the competition side of it would kick in. So I asked them what this was about. And they said, how can one of us be happy if everyone else is sad? And it is just stuck with me, just how content these seriously remote places can be. And it's, so I try and teach my kids the same sort of, but it is hard. <laughs> yeah. it is like you, you've like you've kind of hit the nail on the head there because it's you know how much of like our everyday lives are we actually work genuinely working as a team to to better ourselves and things you know we we work as teams like doing jobs and things but it's all in competition with each other uh, we're very isolated we've lost that community and our tribal systems which we need like we inherently need other people and we need those social connections and we've lost it and it's just as you said I mean that's the most beautiful story and it's like you know we should learn from that because we encourage our children to compete against each other and yeah it's, it's so detrimental mm. oh, 100% um, is there like an adventure memory that stands out for you? Is there one that you will tell at a dinner party knowing that everyone's jaws will hit the floor? <laughs> oh, there's, there's, so, there's so many. I'm actually, because I, I suppose because I live it, I'm actually far more interested in other people's stories. <laughs> like, <laughs> so it's like, you know, I like, I like listening to what, you know, what drives other people. But, you know, I think for me, it's not necessarily dinner, dinner party stories, but uh, I think like those, and this, you know, this is, I suppose, for anybody listening in it as well. And it's, you know, I know for you as, as the father, it's like the moments that I had with my dad, like very early on going camping with him. Those are the moments that have defined who I am today. And those are such powerful moments. And I don't think you can underestimate like the impact, you know, those interactions with your children have like in the in the long run. That is, yeah, it is so true. Like um, we all think back to, to childhood memories as, I don't know whether it's a benchmark, but also like those experiences that I had with my dad, I want to replicate because I'm like, well, they've stuck with me since I was six. So they've had a positive impact. So share them. You're absolutely right. Um, 
what's the most valuable lesson you've learned since being a survival consultant? Um, this is the fact that I, every single one of us is stronger than we could ever imagine working in, in conditions where you know, people really are having to dig deep um, to survive or to, you know, to overcome the challenges that they're, they're doing like physically and mentally. It's just incredible when um, you know that um, somebody's got, you know, they're, they're terrified, they're wanting to give up. And then like they, they have this kind of moment inside themselves. And then it's just like, right, we're doing this and they do it. And it's just like that feeling of like achievement and success and stuff. They see it time and time again. Like we are just capable of like the most incredible feats um, and we are just so strong. How do you then, for someone that's new to this, but wants to get into it, um, the great outdoors, survivalism, all of how how do you encourage people so i would really like to see more people do like hiring like outdoor instructors and guides and going and doing courses you can either hire them one-on-one -on -one or as a group or book onto group courses um and they're they're all over the country and internationally as well um then you gives you the potential to be able to push yourself out of your comfort zone uh, within the boundaries of their their comfort zone so you know even down to like how you dress the clothing that you wear like here in a temperate environment like the UK um, we've got a saying like in the hills cotton kills uh, the way the cotton works uh, it's it's fantastic in the jungle but it's terrible in in temperate environments because it just absorbs the water and water being a very good conductor of energy it draws the heat away from your core so it's uh, just being being aware of those things and it's like it's only through trial and error or somebody telling you that mm. you can learn these things so yeah definitely book on and then start slowly and build those skills up it takes time like anything it takes time to build skills and experience but it's just putting the putting the, the groundwork in yeah absolutely when, when we climbed we uh went on a team trip to dublin co to and climb snowden on a three-day adventure challenge and it would not have been the trip without the guides that we had. They, they were just incredible. Uh, what we learned, the routes we went, the load of secret places we experienced, all of that was just amazing. Um, yeah, amazing. Um, you ready for the quick fire questions? Go for it. <laughs> sunrise or sunset? Both. Oh, you're allowed both. <laughs> um, I love it. It's like those moments where like, you know, your eyes play games with themselves and it's like that kind of dream world versus reality and like anything's possible. It's like, but both, yeah, morning and evening. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Favourite country for food? Ooh, India. Oh, great shout. Great <laughs> shout. Uh, Favourite city to explore? Ooh, good one. I don't spend much time in cities, but um, I spent a lot of time in Prague and I really loved that. Okay. Uh, what is at the top of your bucket list? Oh, I'm doing a trip to, I'm running across the Nepalese Himalaya in a couple of months. So that's at the top. That's kind of taking like all my <laughs> focus at the moment. Of course you are. <laughs> top three items you will not travel without. Um, satellite phone in reach and my grab bag, which has got quite a few items in if I'm allowed that. <laughs> And best place for a totally unplanned adventure? Oh, being at home. 
but you're from my back door. Oh, yeah, see, that's it. And that's what I think we all learned through lockdown was just how much we all have on our doorstep that we didn't realise. Yeah, it's incredible because here, like, it's like yesterday I went out because it was, it was pissing it down. It was raining here yesterday. And it's like went out with, with friends. We just went into like the mine system and it's like, going through and exploring all these incredible. The whole mountain is like hollow. There's like nine levels of mine workings inside. Most of it's flooded, but you're kind of working your way through like rappelling and climbing and stuff through. And it's just like, you know, that's like right on our doorstep. <laughs> it's amazing. So that is amazing. Um, Megan, thank you so much for coming onto this podcast. It's been such a pleasure to speak to you um and i've learned so much so thank you oh thanks for having me um what a fascinating journey life future you have um yeah it's been so inspiring and i can't wait for my little girls to listen to this oh thank you yeah well it's always so great to hear that you're taking them out and and doing those experiences because they they will remember it you know just little things like last night we just took dinner down to the beach and they played around in the dunes or and it is it's just seeing them outside or if we go to a festival and they've got nothing else to to actually play with but just they get to make up games go on a little adventures that are so big in their brains that is what we love and and the reason why we came back here so um yeah we're going to keep trying to do that garden camping and things like that it's just I think people forget don't they that it's like you know like the adventures it's not about going and climbing Everest it's about you know creating those memories and playing yeah yeah um well, thank you so much thank you so much well, thank you have a great day yeah you too bye bye thanks for listening to this episode with Megan talking all things adventure travel and survivalist mindset if you enjoyed it We'd really appreciate you leaving a review as it really does make a big difference in helping us spread the word and getting our podcast into more ears. And don't forget to subscribe as we've got some incredible guests coming up. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can find us on Instagram at Stubble Co. See you next time.